Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. All right, welcome to The Cleveland Browniacs. This is where Elliot and I try to figure out things, and we say things. Like, if you paid attention last week, Elliot and I, I'm going to take a victory lap on this, Elliot, so you can just, like, jump in if you want. But, like, last week, Elliot and I outlined for you exactly how <clears throat> the, the Cleveland Browns could beat the San Francisco 49ers. And you know what happened? That's exactly what they did. They controlled the ball, moved the ball enough to score just enough points to win that game and everybody thought it was crazy but ellie and i sat here and told you yeah it can be done and this is how it's done and that's how they did it you want to take a victory lap elliot well you know the defense has played well enough to win every game that the browns have played they have not been defeated the only way that the browns have lost games is the offense is screwed up and given away points nobody has really scored actually the san francisco 49ers are the first team that really scored points against the Browns. You know, they, the opening drive was against the Browns' defense. But otherwise, points have come on turnovers. And um, the the defense has really been magnificent the entire season. So I want to stay on this game for a second. I want to point out that Brock Purdy, I think for the first time in his career, was on the run, <clears throat> upset in the pocket, not comfortable, and making bad throws. Now, normally he's he's lights out. I mean, I know a lot of people come back and say Brock Purdy isn't this, this, and that, but you know, he actually is pretty good. He he makes his decisions and he throws it on time. And when you throw it on time, <clears throat> it's hard to defend it. So kudos to Brock Purdy. <clears throat> he's been uh, undefeated in his career for a reason, but last week the Browns showed how to beat him. You got to get to him. Yeah, absolutely. And the Browns have one of the toughest front fours in the NFL. It's absolutely. They are <clears throat> disrupting everybody that they face. And the Browns really have had no weakness mm-hmm. through five games. At least the defense you, hasn't. Like the offense. Yeah, excuse me. The, yeah, the offense has had many weaknesses. And the offense has lost a couple games for the Browns. But the defense has been rock solid. And really, we've kind of underplayed uh, or, uh, you know, the 
the defense to an extent. I've been guilty of that. But again, San Francisco, they were really tested to the max and they really came through. So did you, I mean, this is like breaking news. Have you seen the latest on Deshaun Watson? Well, um, <clears throat> find the latest. I mean, his <clears throat> status is still kind of up in the air. I don't know whether we can depend upon him for Sunday or not. And even if well, he plays, let me let, let me. I don't. I don't see this from. These are all from backward sources. You know, sources that. Uh, okay, here's a Mary Kay Cabot tech or a tweet, um, or what's it called? A post now, saying essentially that Deshaun Watson has a micro tear and not a bruise. He said it was four to six weeks on the injury. Um, he can't simply just numb it up and play football because he can't control the ball. And there's currently no ETA, no expected time for his return. Um, so we may be without Deshaun Watson for a while. So PJ Walker may be the guy for a while. <laughs> oh, I wondered about that. Okay, a micro tear. A micro oh, tear will heal itself. Well, I don't know. I mean, mm. they said well, it's a four to six week injury, and we're talking about week three at this point. Yeah, actually, why is that a four to six week injury? Do do micro tears heal themselves? I'm I don't know. Your body does heal itself in some ways, but I don't know if a micro tear is one of those things that like the body just heals itself. But they're talking four to six weeks. Torn so, rotator cuff. Oh, um, but it's only a micro tear. Micro tear, not a bruise. I don't know if that's on the rotator cuff, but that's a rotator tough cuff tear. It may be three or four weeks to heal and then a couple weeks to get his arm back in shape to get ready to play football. Oh, I don't know. That just really doesn't sound good to me. I wondered about that, whether they had possibly missed something in the initial examination. I didn't want to say that because I don't really like to play doctor, but... Um, those kind of things do happen, and um, you know it's it's easy to miss something when it's a small injury. But uh, yeah, that, so he's he's still listed as day to day. Unsure if he's going to play Sunday. I think that's going to be a, a game the Browns are going to play for a little bit. Like he could play, he could not play, just to mess with the opponents. Um, regardless, I mean, let's let's actually get back on track on what we were going to do today. Uh, I've got him listed as year to year. <laughs> he might be. All right, Elliot. So you want to talk about some defense today? Yeah, I do. I feel unappreciated. I think that's the theme of the show. Um, you know, we should be recognized nationally for being some of the few analysts that went on record as saying that the point spread was totally screwed up. Right. And that, uh, you know, we really, I think, had it right more than right at the beginning of the week when the 49ers were favored by about three. And it was a very close game and it could have gone either way. Right. Um, but the Browns outplayed the 49ers. And I think that's clear. And, and if the game had been uh, perfectly officiated, of course, that's never possible. The Browns probably would have won going away. But uh, be that as it may, the Browns' defense clearly outplayed the 49ers' offense. Injuries, oh, yeah. you could argue, had a factor, and those are unpredictable. So I, I won't uh, dispute that. But anyway, the, you know, the Browns were every bit as good as the 49ers. We can say it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but do you realize how good 
the Browns have been statistically in the first five games. How I do good? not, Elliot, but I think you're going to tell me. I am going to tell you. And Browns, all of our faithful listeners. First of all, listeners, the Browns have not been good on defense. The Browns have not been great on defense. They have been historically great. And by that, I mean that going back in time and relying on the opinion of experts like Football Outsiders, which was an organization that was affiliated by uh, with uh, ESPN at the time, uh, they went back and evaluated all the defenses uh, since 1987, at the time that they made a study in 2017, and they concluded that the best defense that they had uh, observed statistically was the 1991 Philadelphia Eagles. And the Browns, through five games, are outperforming those 1991 Philadelphia Eagles. And if I may present some graphics, and I'll explain uh, verbally for those who do not have uh, video... Uh, let me just share this with you. And while you're working on Elliot, I'm going to talk about this. <clears throat> I think one of the things that makes the defense so good is that they're playing as a collective whole, right? So when you're playing the San Francisco 49ers and the, the defensive backs are covering the receivers, that gives time for the defensive line to pressure Brock Purdy. On the flip side, when the Browns are able to get to Brock Purdy, that allows for opportunities for interceptions, tip balls, and things like that on the defensive backside. So the the two are actually working together. As we're in previous years, this defense was a discombobulated mess. You'd be running man and then doing a a, <clears throat> a uh, contain rush, which doesn't work well together because if you're going to contain rush, you're basically telling the guy to throw the football, but you can't sit there and run man behind it because you can only cover man for so long before that receiver gets away. So when the Browns are running a discombobulated defense, it doesn't work. Jim Schwartz has come in, runs a coordinated defense that does work together, that does make sense, and he's been able to find a way to actually put the uh, the mentality of the defense to, to what a defense needs to be mentality-wise. They need to be arrogant, <clears throat> confident, celebrate have an attitude and jim schwartz has brought that so you bring that mm. to a talented group you're going to have a good defense all right elliot so i see we got hey the, I, want, I wanted to ask you specifically up. how how's jordan elliot been doing in your opinion uh you know what i haven't really paid attention well I've been okay a, i've been a fan watching these games i've tried not to put my my evil eye on it so well okay the reason why i ask is i you know just wanted to calibrate uh, the judgment of pro football focus that has him rated as like the 90th best defensive tackle in football. And I thought, yeah, I'll have be, to go back and watch. How could he be that bad? How could he be that bad? You know, is it that the opposition is making yardage every game against him? And if so, why aren't they making yardage? That doesn't make any I, sense. I would, I would say first off, Elliot, I would go read pro football focuses grading policies. Yeah, I understand the grading policy, but it, no matter what, how could anybody be that bad if they're if Browns plays aren't working, how come nobody can move the ball against them? 
Okay, when you're like doing the equivalent of rolling the dice and coming up with a grade, I, people are going to have, you know, some people are going to get the bad dice. Yeah, well, okay. Mainly, you know, the Browns just look ordinary according to pro football focus. Anyway, um, as a matter of, here's what's... That's a whole other segment, Elliot. Me and pro football yeah, focus. We'll do that. We'll other, do that tomorrow. It's a whole um, other segment. But anyway, let's go to what's good about the Cleveland Browns defense. Here's what the bottom line is, pro football focus or nay. Uh, in terms of yards per play, the Browns have given up only 3.82 yards per play. That's across the board. The 1991 Eagles, 3.92. That's a full tenth of a yard more than the Browns gave up. Against the pass, this is where the Browns have truly excelled. The Brown, And remember, nowadays, this is a passing league. Right. It's a quarterback's league. It is. The Browns have given up 4.56 yards per play against the pass. That's ridiculous. That the is a very, very good number, by the way. Yes, it's an unbelievable number. There's nothing like it, and no other team is remotely close to the Browns. The Eagles were at 5.17 back in 1991. Uh, on a per-game basis, the Browns, 121 yards per game 121 that's those numbers are like 1920s football it's ridiculous 1991 the eagles gave up 150 yards per game uh in run defense actually the browns are a little bit more normal 3.46 yards per game but still you know 3.46 yards per game on the ground excuse me yards per attempt that's not going to win you any football games the Eagles were exceptional against the run, 2.97 yards per attempt. Uh, on a per-game basis, the Browns are giving up 79 yards per game. Again, that's not enough for the opponent to win football games. Mm -hmm. The Eagles, 71 yards per game. And that's the Eagles, crazy. by the Yeah, the Eagles, by the way, had a defense built to stop the run because that's what you did in 1991. This is back in the day of Norv Turner, where you just run and run and run and then throw the ball deep. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, actually, Rich Kotite was the head coach. And uh, former Browns head coach, Bud Carson, was the defensive coordinator. <clears throat> the team was really built by Buddy Ryan, uh, who mm -hmm. was fired uh, just, you know, uh, at, during the uh, offseason. And Rich Kotite became the head coach. They did a great job with that. The Browns are number one in the NFL with just 200.4 yards given up per game. That's crazy. The number two team in the NFL is 260 yards per game by the big, bad Baltimore Birds. So, you know, what this means is why don't we let the defense win the game? And, you know, what that means is, is that you're going to have to change your thinking, um, mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you want the offense to win the game, you're going to do some razzle-dazzle and take chances on offense and go for it on fourth down and stuff like that. Here's how you blow the game um, by the offense. And, um, you know, you use trick plays. You use Mike McCarthy play calls, like call for the bomb on a regular basis. You don't need to do that. You don't need risky passes uh, if you're trying to let the defense win the game for you. 
We really don't need to have improvisational genius from the quarterback position, which I really hate, where you take, bring the ball down, scramble around, and look for an opportunity to throw to some random receiver. Uh, you know, those ad-lib passes, Johnny Manziel-type passes. We don't need backward laterals and stuff like that. Uh, and in this case, you know, normally it's a good idea to go for it on fourth down. Um, but when your defense is playing this well, I think you need to kick the field goal. And I want to say some special stuff about that that you will only hear. You will only hear on this show. And uh, let's let's talk about that. Uh, you know, this is the Beaver Creek Oracle now. Uh, for years, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, for years. I have advocated going for the uh, going for it on fourth down. I knew that it was better on the average. You will score more points on the average uh, rather than taking the three. You know, if you've got fourth and one, especially near the goal line. And one of the main reasons is that the field position does matter. And the reason is is that even if you don't make it. Uh, you've got the enemy pinned down, and uh, if you, conversely, if you um, go for the uh, field goal, you're giving up uh, field position because they're going to get it at the 25-yard line. So basically, you win uh, 20 yards of field position, and that, that matters. That's worth like a point and a half. So basically, even if you don't get the field goal, you still get like a, the equivalent of a point and a half just for trying to uh, score. So, you know, the, nowadays the computers and the historical data bear this out. So, you, you know, it's no longer, you can't argue with it. Uh, you know, all the, the, uh, the uh, traditionalists say that, oh, you ought to kick the field goal when you're down by the goal line, but it's wrong. You know, on the average, the geeks are right. I'm right. Geeks are right. But <laughs> so football guys like me, we're wrong, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm actually more of a let's go for it. I'm a I'm a very aggressive old school guy, but I do read analytics and I agree with analytics, some analytics. It's okay. Gotta make, well, it's got to make sense for me. Okay. Well, let me let me interject now that the qualifier, I'm going to go the other way and say that that's what's true on the average but mm -hmm. when you go for it it also introduces randomness meaning that it's less predictable uh and what happens is is it forces the end result closer to 500 so in other words if you get three points every time you can count on that and um so sometimes you know if you let's say that you have three opportunities uh to either take the field goal or go for it. Sometimes you're going to get 21 points and sometimes uh, you're going to get zero points if you go for it every time. But if you kick the field goal, let's say you're usually going to get nine points. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. It's called uh, hand in the bush. Well, um, yeah, something like that. So <clears throat> Yeah, birds in the hand versus birds in the bush. Yep. So you've got to, if if you think that your defense is that good, you're better off to take the predictable three points 
because you think you're going to hold them and they can't score nine points. So you've got to go for the field goal in that case. So what I'm saying now is that don't go for it, you know, down by the goal line. If you are the favorite, if you believe that you are favored, that, that you're not the underdog, you know, your honest assessment is that you're going to win the game if you score a few points and you can win with field goals. And uh, that's a change from a, a shootout game where you need to have touchdowns in order to win. And so my question to Coach Stefanski, you know, he's an offensive-minded coach. Can you morph your thinking and try to win uh, defensive games where you're going to have low scoring and you need to be able to count on points from the field goal kicker? Can you do that, Coach? And this is, you know, a lot of people complain about Stefanski's play calling, but they don't say what they mean. Well, right. what do you mean play calling? What play do you disagree with or do you challenge? And I'm saying this specific situation is one that I think calls for a change based on how well the defense is playing. Okay, Joel, back to you. What do you think so, about that? I think we're going to agree, but for different reasons. I'm going to give you a word that you may remember and some fans may remember, and that word is trestle ball. Now, I'm referring to Jim Trestle, who coached the Ohio State Buckeyes back in 2002 and won the most probable national championship ever with Craig Krenzel, Andy Katz, and Moyer. They went out there and did what? They went out there and played field position, ran the football, kicked field goals, won the national championship because they relied on that defense to take care of the situation. Trestle ball is what the Browns need to get back to. Now, the good news is this. The, the outside zone offense is still in the playbook, okay? And the outside zone offense is designed to mitigate against the need for an all-pro quarterback. Not eliminate it, but mitigate against the need for outstanding quarterback play. So if you've got a guy that isn't going to be an outstanding quarterback, you can go back to the outside zone offense. Let the offensive scheme itself create the openings, much in the same way Kyle Shanahan does. Okay, so it's in place. You can be there to run the football, take the points, rely on your defense, and win football games. This is literally what they did with San Francisco. So we talked about it last week. This is what they need to do. We talked about this kind of style. But you're right. At this point, uh, let me tell you a little story. I'm watching a football game with my son, right? And there was a time where the Browns were like fourth and something down in the red zone or close to the red zone. He's like, go for it, go for it, go for it. I'm like, no. Now is the time you start kicking field goals. He's like, oh, that's boring. It's like, it's probably boring, but it'll win the football game. Kick the field goal. And I end up, I think they missed that field goal. But kick the field goals, take the points, and force the other team to beat your defense. I actually made a reference to the water boy, where if you watch the movie The Water Boy, at one point the the uh the good guys are playing the bad guys in the big game, and uh the opposing coach decides that he's gonna kneel the ball every single down to make the offense who didn't have the water boy on it beat them. This is the equivalent of what the Browns should do. They should just run the football, kick field goals, and then say, How you like my new offense? <laughs> right? And like just go that route. Play some trestle ball. Sounds great. You know, did you know, I think I may have told this story before, but uh, 
Jim Tressel was the umpire uh, when I played Pony League Baseball. Did no, you know I didn't. Now you just know everybody, Elliot. What the heck, that? man? Cheerleaders. Well, I, yeah, and in fact, I I knew his brother Dave. Uh, Dave was uh, the uh, teacher of a fifth grade class that went to uh, camp, and I was the camp counselor for them. We had this uh, camp in Bria, uh, El- the Bria school system, and I had Dave Trussell's class, and I was their nice. camp counselor. How about nice. that? Nice, nice. All right, well, we got to come up on a break. Uh, great, great football stuff today, but let's take our break. And we come okay. back, we're going to talk about this this quarterback out at USC. I know it's off pro football for a second, but it's pro football related. So, all okay. right, after the break, we're going to talk about the USC quarterback. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. So <clears throat> I want to bring up this this guy, Caleb Williams, because he's out there making some outrageous claims on the Lamar Jackson level. Like, like he is just out there demanding stuff that clearly he needs to keep his mouth shut. He's out there. I mean, before I get into what he's saying, uh, you know, let's just talk about what he's saying, because this is just too good, too unbelievable to be true. So Caleb Williams, the quarterback for USC, who's a pretty good quarterback, is right now, and we know what right now means, but right now is the consensus number one pick in the NFL draft, right? We haven't heard any of the tank for Caleb or crash for Caleb or anything like this yet, but like, I'm sure somebody's out there got a slogan like, we're going to lose every single game and get Caleb Williams, particularly the Bears, you know, they, they've got the first two picks. So anyway. Here's what he came out with, and I think this was October 2nd, that Caleb Williams says there are only five teams he will play for in the NFL. The Cowboys, the Raiders, the Vikings, the Giants, or the 49ers. Those are the only teams he wants to play for. So you say, what kind of leverage does this guy have that he can come out and say this? Well, here's his leverage. You ready for this? He claims that he can make more money playing football at USC than he can being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And you know what, Elliot? I believe him. I believe he can make more money playing football in Los Angeles at USC than he can being the number one overall pick in Dallas, Las Vegas, Minneapolis, New York, or San Francisco. I believe that's true. But it doesn't stop there, right? It, like, it would be like, okay, whatever. Just blow this off. It stops there. But now there's a new report coming out on Tuesday night. We're recording on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning on Tuesday night coming out saying that Caleb Williams wants partial ownership of whatever NFL team drafts him. And he's using Aaron Rodgers as his reference point because apparently Aaron Rodgers in his negotiation with the Jets tried to negotiate a partial ownership stake in the New York Jets. So here's Caleb Williams out here playing college football, 
clearly thinks something of himself that he is some transcendent talent, which I mean, he's good, but he's not that good. At least we don't know yet because the NFL is a completely different game than the air raid USC crap he's running. So thinks he's all that. Let me tell you what he's actually accomplishing. What he's actually doing is tanking his draft status because no team is going to give up partial ownership for a guy who was unproven in the NFL and no team wants a guy with such an attitude issue that he's going to show up and think he's hot crap that he's not going to work and adjust to the NFL game. All right, Elliot, before we go at it, what do you think? Well, um, you know, that's worked before. Um, quarterbacks like um, John Elway, uh, Eli Manning have managed to get themselves traded to the teams that they wanted, uh, avoiding certain other teams. Okay, but have they gotten partial ownership of an NFL team? No, but it doesn't hurt to ask. I just think this guy's out of his, out of his mind right now. He's playing in an offense that has not traditionally translated to yeah, the NFL. I would okay. say, look, look at Baker Mayfield. The same offense Baker Mayfield was in, okay, and he had a hard time adjusting. And I watched him just no, get Baker his Mayfield had no hard time. Baker was successful from the get go. One, the uh, they changed the whole offense. In. They changed the whole offense to make Baker successful. When Stefanski tried to put him in an NFL actual offense, he crumbled. And I think yeah, we that all was forget years that. later, his rookie year, he was great. That's because they're running the air raid offense, and nobody had run that air raid offense in the NFL. So it only took about six, seven games for teams to figure out what was going on. Then he started to struggle. But my team, Notre Dame, just exposed Caleb Williams this last Saturday. And what they did was they pressured, 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 and he couldn't get himself straight. So if this guy wants to own part of an NFL team coming out of the draft, he might want to figure out how to play football first. Well, you know, they only have uh, one so-called franchise quarterback every two years. So just because you're the best quarterback in any given year doesn't prove that you're a franchise quarterback. Let me just throw that out at you. Okay, um, but I think that way we agree because you're talking about an unknown. You're talking about giving away what you worked your whole life to attain, giving it yeah. away to a guy who has no idea. You have no idea what this guy is. Yeah, well, let, let me say something else is that you can have the quarterback with the best arm. I'll take the quarterback who's the smartest and I'll beat you 90% of the time. Yep, that, that's exactly what San Francisco is doing right now. They've got a there very go. intelligent quarterback who can make decisions and get the ball out. And, and by the way, that, that's big as Caleb Williams doesn't have as good an arm as Caleb Williams can't run as fast as Caleb Williams. And he would beat Caleb Williams every single time. I yeah. Think so I think this is Tom I'm Brady sorry, as well. I'm just not, I, you know, I'm just not a franchise quarterback guy that gets so excited about 40 yard dash times and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not excited about Caleb Williams. I'm sorry sports world you can go you know <laughs> i just think it's there's some serious audacity here to come out and say i have this demand this demand this demand i get people like like uh look like miles garrett right if it he was had... the nba then yeah you could do stuff like that but i think that um in uh pro football i'm i'm just not buying into 
rookie quarterback hype. I'm not even really that keen on uh, professional quarterback hype. I don't. I think the quarterback position right now is overpaid, and that teams that are overinvested in quarterbacks, like perhaps even the Cleveland Browns, might be in trouble. It might not be a smart move. And um, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to disagree on this one too. But let's get back to Caleb Williams. Somebody needs to go tell Caleb Williams just to shut his mouth. Because oh, I think I everybody really is. Think I think he can't pick up a newspaper is, without being told that. He is ruining his draft status because nobody's going to want to invest in this kid if he already thinks he can, like, run the NFL. Oh, no. I mean, people, no, you're so wrong. You're, people will love oh, no, to no, no. invest in him. There, there's, there's, well, uh, there's always one. Let's put it that way. Look at Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was over there and and oh and he, he ruined his his status by you know not playing for the Texans and nobody was interested in him nobody would pay him any money right and all he got was 230 million dollars well but let's look at the other side of that right he upset his owner so his owner went to his neighbor and said we need to defame this guy we need here's what he's doing let's create a big issue and it's still around us Every time he walks on the field, all we hear about are his lawsuits. And he's got $230 million. So, no, you can't. I, I just don't think the NFL owners. They overpay quarterbacks. I don't think the they, owners are going to go for it. I don't think they're going to go. They're going to they're gonna come down on him just like they came down on Deshaun Watson. You know, let's don't look at Robert Kraft interfering with, you know, investigations over here. But let's look at Deshaun Watson and all this other stuff. That's how NFL owners work, Right. Robert Kraft could be doing stuff 10 times worse in the same way, but in investing federally in interfering with the federal investigations into sex trafficking. No, no, and nobody understands what's know. going on with no, that. Getting, nobody you know, hears that no. stuff, but Robert he, Kraft went to just a, a, he's just a naive, naive rookie. And they'll, you know, he'll live it down. They'll, they'll say, we'll you know, that was bad. Don't do it again. We'll but see. he's just a naive rookie. And I think, uh, I think either way he needs an agent. Oh, of course, it, you know, but it's not time for him to have an agent. When he gets he an, agent, an agent, the agent will tell him to behave and you explain know, the are. system to him. And um, he'll get drafted, you know, probably in the top 10, maybe well, not point, number one. My point was that ownership isn't going to put up with this long term. That's where the Deshaun Watson stuff came in. Ownership's not put up with this long term. So he needs to get an agent. And don't tell me these people don't have agents now because they do. He will get an and his agent, agent needs to who tell will him to counsel him up. and help him to avoid saying stupid stuff. He'll probably say stupid stuff anyway because he probably likes saying stupid stuff. And um, you know, he'll you know, he's probably making so much money that he's out of his mind already. But um, you know, it's probably not going to end well, but yeah, this guy is the poster child for what's gonna happen to your players when you get the nil but i mean i like i like name image and licensing for for college players but i think this is the end result when it like goes out of control yeah well yeah you can say that but it's you know the fact of the matter is is that if he can throw a football people will take a chance on him and jamarcus russell right somebody took a chance on jamarcus russell jamarcus russell case in point he will be how about johnny manzel what did you know? Johnny Manziel didn't just say stupid stuff; he did stupid stuff. Everything Johnny Manziel did would be legal today. 
like in in terms of like the stuff he got in trouble for at college. Signing well, footballs, taking money. What about the things he didn't get in trouble for? You know, okay, I'm not, I'm not touching that. Of him I'm, taking, uh, you know, apparently, uh, purporting to show him uh, sniffing cocaine. I should say. Oh, hold on, allegedly. let me rephrase this. The stuff he got in trouble for with the NCAA that made him want to leave college football. He that is all legal for NFL for college football players to do now. What he was upset about <clears throat> in college was that he the university is making all kinds of money off of him, and they were, okay, and they admit it, and they've made it, it's out there. They've made all kinds of money off of him, but he couldn't make a dime. So he went out and tried to like make his own money, which is what he got in trouble for. <clears throat> what he technically got in trouble for was preventing people from selling the footballs that he signed. Not that they could prove he got paid to sign them, but that he prevented independent people from selling them and making money. That's what he got suspended for. But <clears throat> all that's legal now. <clears throat> so you can go out and sign crap and make money off of it. I, I'm just saying red flags on Caleb Williams right now. Red flags, red flags, red flags. And if I was the NFL GM, I would be looking at no, the No, it's options. not a red flag. Red flag means that he won't be drafted. He'll be drafted. He'll be drafted. Red flag is... <clears throat> red flag is this is a character concern it's a character concern and it, there might be a few teams that might pass on him that would otherwise draft him but he will be drafted in the first oh no I, I agree he'll be drafted I'll, i would be a team that would pass on him but if he doesn't come out and say this crap yeah you might but i i'm i wouldn't draft him but i believe that there are teams in the nfl that will draft him because nfl general managers are that dumb Hello. Yes, I agree. I agree. What my point here is, again, he is hurting his draft status. If he would just shut up, he would be the number one pick and nobody would say anything. But now that he's saying this crap, teams have to sit down and think about, do I want this crap in my locker room? Mm-hmm. That I agree with. There will be some teams that might pass on him. I'm not sure that he's the number one pick anyway. Uh, and, it, you know, again, I, I don't think – that the number one draft pick should be chosen on the basis of 40 yard dash time and arm strength. I just, I think there's more to it than that. Right. That compounds my other point where Notre Dame just beat the crap out of them last week. Well, there you go. So, so you're showing that you have a weakness, which is how, why you also need to shut up when you're doing this stuff. How well do you read defenses? Hmm? Well, given that he's not reading defenses in his current job, I would again, shut up. But Elliot, we're up on it, so we got to get going here. All right, we had a thanks, good everybody. show. Yeah, thank good you, show. everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Browniacs. Please like and follow us on Spotify, and give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns!